0: Hi, welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Ohio State lost, so um, this is how you have to talk after Ohio State loses. Um, we're gonna try to hold it together and do a podcast today because life goes on, people. My goodness, you talk! It's they're sixty-two and seven. They're sixty-two and seven under Urban Meyer. Here's the thing about the Ohio State Buckeyes, and we just talked to a couple coaches and players. Not great at losing. Not that you there. want them to be good at losing. Not great at losing. They don't know what to do. We know what to do. Analyze that stuff, baby. Doug L. Maurice, Tim Bielek, Bill Landis. Bill Landis, is it a
1: hot coffee or a cold coffee? So I went to McDonald's on a way here and ordered an iced coffee and pulled up to the drive-thru window, and the guy said, Sorry, man, we don't have iced coffee. Someone put sweet tea in there by mistake. So I said, Okay, I'll have a hot coffee then. First time that's ever happened to me. Do you want yes. some ice cubes right now? No, my yeah. house? I coffee's fine. It's good. Um, the weather's we,
0: turning. We actually did. I tried to write down things. We forget during the week what we want to talk about in the podcast, so I tried to put notes in my phone. Number one note in my phone, Bill on black iced coffee. So we'll be getting to that later. Yeah, yeah. We I also mean, yeah. have a live poll. This is a new thing. We have a live poll running on Twitter right now uh, that you guys can't vote on because it already happened, but it's, <laughs> uh, would you rather drive... 10 miles for a blizzard, or one mile for McFlurry. And we will give you the answers to that poll at the end of the podcast. Tim Bielek has already cast his vote. He'll let you know what that is. But mostly, here's what we're not going to talk about, by the way, here on Buckeye Talk. Subscribe on iTunes and all the other podcast places. Follow us on Twitter, Tim Bielek, Bill his 25 Doug Maurice. blah, 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 blah. You know what we're not going to talk about this week? Mm. Army. Here's our Army talk. Ready? It's a military academy. God bless those guys for putting their willing be willing to put their lives on the line to defend this nation. They've run the triple option. Out. Back to Oklahoma talk, okay? <laughs> like that's not the deal. They they didn't want to talk about it like Greg Schiano said, uh, you know, Oklahoma's in the past. I talked about it after the game, I want to talk Except about it. He Arden. didn't
1: talk about it after the game. He said he said nothing today and he said nothing after the game.
0: So like, you know, whatever. We don't need them for us to talk about Oklahoma Um, because this is what we're going to talk about first and there is intrigue in the Woody Hayes Athletic Palace. This is some mob stuff. This is some high level passive, aggressive, or possibly incidentally coincidental, no big deal but I don't think so. This is some high level stuff. So, you guys know that Urban Meyer has backed JT Barrett. He said on Monday, there's a big gap in terms of game readiness between JT Barrett and backup quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow. He, uh, he was very strong in his support of JT Barrett after the game Saturday. I said, that's a Saturday night. No, let me see what he says on Monday. He didn't really change his answer on Monday. JT Barrett, clearly you're starting quarterback for the Ohio state Buckeyes, but lots of other people, us included, um, are wondering about a possible quarterback change or a quarterback compliment or mostly getting Dwayne Haskins in the game because Dwayne Haskins is the thrower on the roster. So let's explain how we usually do this. There's all this construction at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, and they have blown out the lobby where we used to hang out, where we waited to go in to interview people um, on – We do it now on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. We used to only do it Wednesdays, but we get them after practice. But they don't let us watch practice while we're waiting. So we get there, and we have to hang out and wait for a while until practice is over. And then all the players come in to the indoor facility, the indoor field at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. They're taking off their pads. They're taking off their tape sitting on the bench there. Um, they're chatting, hanging out. Then we, We're out there then as they're coming off the field, but we don't get to see them do anything. They're very careful about that. They don't want us to see five seconds of them practicing, which is fine. So then we go out and we wait on the indoor field and then players come out and meet with us there on the turf. But today... Tuesday when we went in there while we were hanging around all the other players were walking off the field taking off their pads taking off their tape who is one guy out there practicing for the first time ever that I can remember seeing him do this getting a little post practice throwing session in front of all those media eyes it do- wasn't Tim Martell it wasn't <laughs> he didn't think of it or he might have been out there too it wasn't Joe Burrow was Dwayne Bartholomew Haskins throwing? Was it to Elijah Gardner? I couldn't even tell who it, it was. was. Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, throwing like nice little 25 yard passes to the corner of the end zone, throwing some like nice 35 yard passes, just putting on a little throwing show. If you would like to see the show, uh, I put my phone up as soon as I realized what was happening. It's on our YouTube channel right now. Go subscribe to the OhioStateCleveland.com YouTube channel, and you can see what we saw. So I've talked for five minutes and 35 seconds, and you guys haven't been allowed to say anything. What do we make of the Dwayne Haskins throwing session, Mr. Timothy
2: Bielik? How do you guys feel about conspiracy theories? Love it. Love them. Here's my conspiracy theory we all we all know Urban Meyer's a smart guy we can assume for the last couple of days he's he's already mentioned as much as he can you know the controversy about a couple of recruits one of his former players already calling for Dwayne Haskins so how maybe a little fun he's having with the media at the end of practice Tuesday um he goes up to Dwayne Haskins and he says hey Dwayne uh maybe it's a good idea if when these guys come in You go ahead and launch some deep balls. Just throw them. You know, make it blow up on Twitter. Because he's a smart guy. He knows what's going on. He's got a whole social media department within the program. They know what's going to happen. I think this is just, you know, him trolling us a little bit. His way to have fun with us after coming off obviously a difficult loss Saturday, trying to have a little fun with things. And trying to playfully stir the pot a little bit, although are you
0: almost are done? You're so you're we done? can blow yeah, this so up. Can
1: tell you that you're wrong, yes.
0: <laughs> Bill. Blow that
1: up. This is not Urban Meyer has fun week. That guy, yeah, no, that's sorry, Tim. You're wrong. I said it. Well, I said it was a conspiracy theory. Uh, uh, yeah, but it's uh, a wrong it's completely wrong.
0: Theory. It's a completely wrong um, read of the
1: situation. Urban Meyer didn't know that was happening, and when Urban Meyer finds out it happened, he's not going to be happy about it. Nope. Um, I've never seen anyone do that. not. I don't think I've ever seen – I've been covering the team now. This is my fourth season covering Ohio State. I've never seen any quarterback do that.
0: Hey, let's get in a couple uh, 30-yard throws. Who's up for it?
1: 100% completely calculated move by Dwayne Haskins. I don't think there's a doubt about it. And, like, whatever, like, reckless speculation alert. Like, he knew what he was doing. And he knows people want him to be the quarterback, and he is soaking that stuff up. You have to assume these kids nowadays are smarter about social media than they've
2: ever been.
0: Of course they are. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They're smarter about it than we are. Here's the other thing. So Urban Meyer doesn't care what anybody thinks. Urban Meyer doesn't care what the fans think. He doesn't care what we think. Of course he doesn't. He shouldn't care. Dwayne Haskins cares. Dwayne Haskins would not mind uh, winning the uh, popular vote on this. Um, I I found it now. And here's the other thing. And listen, listen. We're just, I mean, what are, we, what are we going to tell you? This is what we think. We didn't ask a player about it. We didn't ask Dwayne Haskins about it. No. We didn't ask Urban Meyer. Um, so we're telling you what we think. But here's the deal. And I've learned this. I've done this a long time now. I can remember things happening when I've been covering teams earlier in my young sports writer life. And I think, ah, I don't know. It's just whatever. People are making a big deal about, a deal about something. There's nothing to it. There is not a lot that happens by accident in this stuff. So like you can – maybe, maybe he just wanted to get some extra throws in and it was raining a little bit when we were there and he didn't get to do his throws at the end of practice and it just so happened that this occurred the week that me and a bunch of other people are writing and asking Urban Meyer about should Dwayne Haskins play instead of JT Barrett. Maybe that's it. But it's not.
1: <laughs> it's not it.
0: So, but who did you – did you honestly – you said something there, and I don't want you to repeat it here unless you're confident in saying it. You thought you saw a couple other people
1: noticing Dwayne Haskins throwing. Uh, I don't feel 100% comfortable saying it, but whatever. I'll say it. It's a podcast. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. Podcast.
0: Uh, could we call a libel lawyer very quickly? Do podcasts count?
1: Uh, This is, it's absolutely plausible that this is not true at all. (laughs) But as everyone else was watching Dwayne Haskins, I was watching JT Barrett and Joe Burrow and Paris Campbell sitting on the bench. Uh, They did not look pleased. And, like, they weren't huffing and puffing, and they weren't, like, yelling at him. But they also weren't laughing at him, like, oh, man, look at Dwayne. He's being a fool. No, I don't think they were pleased. Now,
0: listen, this is not – we're not covering North Korea. Right. Like, we're not – this is not like uh, we're trying to read between the lines with uh, the leaders of nations. It's sports, okay? Yeah. So, like, if if Dwayne Haskins – if it was a coincidence and if Dwayne – and if JT Barrett and Joe Burrow were, like, just talking about some Friends episode and they couldn't believe that Ross did that to Rachel and that's why they looked that way. By then, the way, Dwayne Haskins' nickname is Ross. Oh, man, that got deep in a second. <laughs> I'm going, to have, I'm going to have a dream about this tonight, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Um, then listen, okay, so then we were like, we whatever. But we're just telling you, listen, we get paid cash money to do this. I don't know why, <laughs> but I feed my family on this. Yeah. Not this particularly, because again, as you notice, we don't have a real ad yet. Hopefully we will soon. But we are paid sports writers, paid to observe and ask questions. And this is what we observed. And it wasn't... Normal. It wasn't the usual. And let me tell you, he wasn't throwing five-yard passes. I the things I have seen at times. The only other thing that I've ever seen guys doing after practice on their own when we get in there is receivers sometimes DBs catching passes off the jugs machine. Yeah. And and a lot of times when they're doing that, they're catching it with one hand sometimes, which is also a little bit for show. Okay. Yeah, it's all for show. Sure. They know what they know the cameras are on. They know what they're doing. So and. You know, no, I don't know. Nobody ran over and like told me to like put my phone down. Don't take video of that. But again, like that's maybe they should have. So, so okay. So here's the other thing. So let's get into the second part of the Dwayne Haskins Palace intrigue. Recruits, as Tim mentioned earlier, a couple recruits tweeted out this weekend. Were they both unofficial? On, official, on, on not just
1: any recruits.
0: Okay, explain this
1: recruiting person. Micah like Parsons. Five-star defensive end, number five player in the country, who was on an official visit this week on Saturday night, was in Ohio Stadium, on an official visit, watched the game like we did. After the game, retweeted a tweet from a reporter. I believe it was Patrick Murphy of Bucknuts. Um, Pat Murphy tweeted, Urban Meyer says he's not making a quarterback change. Micah Parsons retweeted that and said, I would, and I'd put in Dwayne Haskins. And then he apologized for it, but then he didn't delete it. And then he also retweeted Jackson Carmen, five-star offensive tackle, number nine player in the country, who said the exact—well, not the exact same thing—but also said that he'd like to see Dwayne Haskins play. Jaden Woodbay, a four-star safety who was committed to Ohio State, said he'd like to see Dwayne Haskins play, and Dwayne Haskins retweeted that. Like there, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know all that. Yeah, this is going this. Jayden this Woodmay, is breaking loose. Jaden Woodmay said, when is, I think he said, when's my boy Dwayne Haskins going to play? And then Dwayne Haskins retweeted it and said, soon with prayer hands. Why does this feel like part of like some MTV I mean, reality yeah, show? Yeah, no, it is. It is an MTV reality show. It's fascinating. Tate martel has got to get in on this. Someone, <laughs> is, someone is trying to stage a coup at the Ohio State quarterback position.
0: Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> We're live for the mutiny here at Ohio State. Listen, they don't make the decision, right? And kids can kids say stuff. Kids say stuff. Yes. Here is a point that I think is worth making. And we were talking to Billy Price. So the players that they brought out, I was a little worried for a while. Again, they're not great at reacting to losses. Um, they brought out Drew Chrisman, the punter. Which is like a that's like a baller move of like best player on the team. He had a good game. <laughs> he did. <laughs> who had the best game against Oklahoma? We're getting Sean Nurnberger on Wednesday. The punter for real. Yeah. Um, and then we got Greg Schiano, who said he didn't want to talk about Oklahoma. And then for a second, I thought that's all we were going to get. But then we did get Billy Price, Tyquan Lewis, and Chris Worley. Which is props to the captains who come out. That's I get why we don't get uh, you know J.K. Dobbins or. Or Jerome Baker. I mean, he's kind of old. But I mean, anybody, this is captain time. When you lose like that, it's captain time. So um, I was going to ask Billy Price about this, and Ari was asking Billy Price about this. Uh, got to it first. And it was sort of the idea of like, are you worried about um, any kind of division in the locker room? Like if Urban made a change, would that divide the locker room? What I actually wanted to ask about, and then I didn't, was the idea of it's divided. Yeah. There are guys and I'm not I'm not like it's just real life. Listen, if you're listening to this and you think Dwayne Haskins should play, if your husband thinks that Dwayne Haskins should play, if your kid thinks that Dwayne Haskins should play, if your coworker thinks that Dwayne Haskins should play. You think there's a hundred guys in there and in that locker room and none of them think Dwayne Haskins should play. So there are guys in that locker room right now, even though JT Barrett has been backed strongly by Urban Meyer and Billy Price and, and I'm sure other veteran guys, there are guys who think Dwayne Haskins should play. You just know that. And probably, and here's the thing, guys gravitate to the guys, their age guys gravitate to their recruiting classes. It's probably the younger guys. So, the point is, it, I think it's not not the point that if you made a change, there would be a division. There's already a division. Now, now, what do you mean by division? They're not having fistfights in the locker room. No. It's not tearing this team apart. It's not going to make them lose games. But I'm telling you, there's a discussion going on in there. Maybe it's out in, in public. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's guys just talking in their apartments. But there are guys right now who think Dwayne Haskins should play because this has been ongoing. You know, so let's just be let's just be real about that. So this is it seeping out a little bit. So if recruits are doing it, there's players who think it too. So so now what? So if so if if I'm putting that out there, does that mean anything? What should Ohio State do? Tim, what what do you think? Okay, so a couple guys, some percentage of guys think Dwayne Haskins should be the quarterback now. So what do you do?
2: Well, I mean, I'm, there's obviously got to be guys that support them, support Haskins, because they see more than we see, you know, they're obviously there every practice, they see what goes on, they see throws, Dwayne Haskins probably makes him practice that JT Barrett doesn't even attempt, mm-hmm. but, you know, they probably also see the, there's also the intangibles that Urban Meyer has raved about, and he, when he referenced on Monday the idea that, Barrett had such a large gap between him and the backups. That kind of raised my eyebrows because I'm trying to think what exactly he's referring to. And it's got to be the intangibles when you're a three-time captain. I said this on Saturday night after the game. I would have no problem making the change. I didn't really get a chance to explain myself a little bit. but
0: We only have 90 seconds.
1: Right. So Now we have 90 minutes.
0: Now we have 90. I was thinking we should probably try to go 60 minutes tonight because we're leaking toward 90 minutes. But then
1: Dwayne Haskins started throwing before (laughs) practice, so screw that.
0: We're 18 minutes in. Yeah. All right. Tim, you got the next 30 minutes to make your point. Go ahead.
2: I'll I'll try and condense it a little bit more than 30 (laughs) minutes. Um, The reason I said I would make the move is I'm looking just strictly at what he's done in big games. Outside of that, what JC's done, yes, outside of the Michigan State game in 2014. For the large, by and large, he has not played well, especially when it comes to throwing the football. Four of his last five games, he's thrown for less than 200 yards. That's not good, especially if you're an offense that the beginning of the year, Urban Meyers talked about balance of being 250 250, 250 passing, 250 rushing. Being under 200 in four out of five games is not going to get that done. And we're 30-plus games in. We have we know what JT Barrett's physical limitations are. Tom Allen brought it up, the Indiana coach, after the Indiana game where Barrett and the Ohio State receivers feasted on yards after catch, talking about the reason they went into that zone was because of his inaccuracy. It's, out of that context, doesn't make sense because we we, we think JT Barrett's accurate. Well, <laughs> who he accurate. Who thinks he's accurate? Well, I mean, the general consensus. Who? Because he can, Who's general? Who's general consensus? (laughs) You know who thinks he's accurate? Urban Meyer and JT Barrett. Right. Well, what he meant, what I took that to mean was, I do the passing charge. You'll see another one on Wednesday. Accuracy beyond 10 yards. Yeah, which also is known as accuracy. Yeah. Exactly. And if 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 another coach is seeing that and they're dropping any coverage, guess what every single team in the country is going to do? And JT Barrett's confidence has not gotten anywhere better. Yeah. His, and confidence – low confidence plus low physical limitations, you suddenly don't turn into Deshaun Watson when you have physical limitations and your confidence is low. When I look at a guy like Dwayne Haskins, spring game is – a you can take a lot of spring game with a grain of salt, but we saw the physical tools out there on display. Everybody saw it. You can't help but get excited at those physical tools. You got three games that you should win pretty convincingly. I think I thought that'd be a pretty great opportunity to give him a chance against teams that you're expected to beat, let him go through some growing pains if you were going to make the change, and then you set him up for his first big test against the Nebraska team, which Nebraska's has, has not had a great start to the season, but playing in Lincoln is
1: no fun. Yeah. Um I agree with I mean whatever. If you want to make a change, make a change you're not going to um I think the point of locker room division is a little more interesting, and I don't think it becomes an issue unless they lose again. And They're not going to lose again for a while. I mean, even if they play like they played against Oklahoma, they're going to beat Army and UNLV and Rutgers and probably Maryland too, and maybe even Nebraska because Nebraska's defense is just as bad as against the passes Ohio State's is right now. Um, but there is—I mean, there is locker room division, and I, I don't even know if I necessarily agree that it is experience slash age related. If you were a fifth-year senior, and I'm, not, I'm just using it as a hypothetical because I don't want to say one guy's leaning one way because we don't know. If you were a fifth-year senior and you saw a quarterback who throws the ball the way Dwayne Haskins does and think that that's the guy who can lead you to a championship, wouldn't you want him to play? Even if you felt loyal to JT, JT Barrett? what what I feel like last chance to win a championship supersedes loyalty to a guy in your class. And, uh, sorry to interrupt. I got a question about this the other day. Someone asking if – JT
2: Barrett, as a leader, would be the kind of guy that would willingly step aside. And I told him no, because that's not what a competitor does. A competitor wants to be on the field every single chance because he thinks he can get the job
1: done. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to step aside. He's not going go to go knock on everyone's door and say, hey, coach, I think you need to pull me. But, again, and I said this when we did the postgame podcast, if a quarterback change were to happen at any point this season... I don't know if there's anyone in the country better equipped to handle that from a maturity standpoint than JT Barrett.
0: Yeah. So listen, again, like we're talking about like locker room division because we're just talking about human nature. Yeah. We're not reporting it. Okay. No, we're just talking it up. We're just, but we're just talking real talk here. So like, we're, again, we're not, we're not saying that it's just, it's the kind of thing that happens in every team. And we're just trying to, like, this This is just what happens. Okay? And it happens
1: in other positions, too. Like, yeah. And not, like, you don't think people thought they should have had a different right tackle last year? I don't know who it would have been, but when Isaiah Prince was struggling the way he did, I'm sure there were plenty of people in that locker room who thought maybe they should make a change. And we're It trying. happens. You have a, a guy who's struggling. You wonder if someone else should be playing.
0: Yeah. So h- here's the thing, and, and I'm going to backtrack. I just want to put these numbers out there. Okay. So this is in there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two. Their last 10 games. Okay. So it's two this year, the bowl game last year, and then the seven previous regular season games, which is going back to the Wisconsin overtime game. Okay. Mm-hmm. In those 10 games, they had a 62 against Maryland, they had a 62 against Nebraska, and then they had the 49 against Indiana after the bad first half, but they ended up with 49. I'm not dismissing that. You don't just get to say, oh, well, except for when they score a million points, they don't score any points. That's real. They did good things in that game, in those games, okay? So that's th- say three good games. I'm even calling Indiana a good game for the offense because we're going by points. Offensive points scored in the other seven games in regulation because there's a couple overtime games in there. Offensive, not talking re- reception interceptions, run back for touchdowns offensive points scored in the other seven games of their last 10 23 19 24 17 10 0 and 16 is that good enough
1: no of course not
0: no is that how you win a national championship scoring seven of the 10 games the offense the most they scored was 24 nope they were lucky and i don't mean to i don't want to talk about last year too much they were lucky to win some of the games they won last year. But the point I'm trying to make is that's what we're talking about here. That's why, and this wasn't an overwhelming opinion. Someone said it's just one game. It's not just one game. Any JT Barrett opinion you've formed is not just one game. And I saw Colin Cowherd, um, I didn't listen to what he said, but I saw some tweet about it or somebody said that he said, this is what this is what happens to a team when you schedule like a grown-up and Ohio State will be fine. And I agree with like, a chunk of that, right? They played a really good team. Mm-hmm. I think Oklahoma is a playoff team. Credit to Ohio State for scheduling that. If Ohio State had scheduled Miami of Ohio last week, they'd be two zero right now, and we'd all be saying, "Well, maybe the passing game will still come around." Well, it looked a little bit better, right? Yeah. So credit to them for scheduling that, and they continue to discover to schedule one of these big non-conference games every year. Yes, they should. But the point is not that they lost. The point is that when they play decent teams, the same issue comes up. I own I don't care that they lost. Because the question is can they win a national championship? And if they had beaten Oklahoma 16 to 13, or if they had beaten Oklahoma 23 to 13 because Jerome Baker ran an interception back for a touchdown, we, you, everyone should still have the same questions about this offense. And that's the issue. It's been going on for 10 years games that this issue remains with the offense and how is it going to change so that's that's the deal so there it is and let me ask you this now we'll start to transition we have a bunch of good questions and we'll all of the questions are basically around this topic anyway so let's transition a little bit toward let's get away from Dwayne Haskins mm-hmm. oh here's my other point by the way I wanted to make another point about Dwayne Haskins before we get away from Dwayne Haskins. The fact that he threw the ball in front of the media after practice maybe makes me think he's not ready to be the quarterback.
1: Yeah, I buy that. I mean, that's the you, stuff that he was talking. everyone was talking you about. You
0: know who wouldn't do that? You know who wasn't throwing the ball after practice while Cardale was the starting quarterback in 2015? You know who wasn't out there like, hey, uh, hey uh, Zeke, let's do a couple zone reads. Let me bust out some big runs here in front of the media while the offense stagnates under – you know, if you're that – if you're doing that, that shows some level of are you ready to lead this team, you know? Yeah. So as much as it was like, ooh, it was kind of like, ah, oh, <laughs> you know, like there's a second part to that of – because if you're the guy, if you're the guy and you have complete confidence in yourself, just be the guy and let, let your just rewards come your way when it's time. Put out in practice. Show out in practice. Do what you got to do and let your play do the talking. And you don't have to do it when some ding-dong puts up his iPhone and puts it
1: on Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, I think just – I agree with that and I, I, I buy – I guess that's a sign of immaturity whatever. Personally, I would like a little bit of that, and that's not the right way to express it, certainly, but a little bit of uh, showmanship, I think, is not a bad thing in a quarterback.
0: Let me ask this. If Baker Mayfield was the number two quarterback and thought he should be the number one guy, would he
1: be throwing after practice? You mean the guy who sprinted around Ohio Stadium and planted a flag in the 50-yard line? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. But I think he would. Yeah, no. I
0: think he would. And then, But that wouldn't be an indication that he shouldn't be the guy. Maybe that would be an indication of like, okay, so maybe I should take it. Maybe I should take the Dwayne Haskins as Dwayne Haskins being like, I am the guy. I mean, he's carried himself
1: that way since he's been at Ohio State. I mean, okay, could it
0: be a positive? Could it be a positive? Am I reading it wrong?
1: No, I think you could be reading it right. I, I Honestly, I, I don't know how to read it, I guess is what I'm saying. But I think you could read it either way. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's 19, 20 years old, still in a way, still a young
2: kid. I mean. He's a freshman. Yeah, exactly. I mean. There's, I think there's a difference between swag and cockiness. And sometimes, as a quarterback, you kind of have to toe that line a little bit. And for a young quarterback, especially Dwayne Haskins, seeing that, you wonder what side of that line – how do you manage that line between doing that and then maybe taking things a bit too far?
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So let's say Dwayne Haskins isn't the guy. Let's say Dwayne Has- – let's say – that Dwayne Haskins playing is just media yammering and it's Urban Meyer's not going to do it. And maybe Dwayne Haskins will be the quarterback next year, but like, it's not worth talking about anymore. Cause I think our feelings are known on that. Okay. JT Barrett's the guy that's, let's make that assumption. JT Barrett's not going anywhere. Urban's not turning away from him. Now what? How do you win? This is all that matters. How do you win the national championship?
1: Run the ball. Don't don't abandon the run. Don't abandon your running backs. Don't abandon the thing JT... And, and it might sound weird because a criticism is JT runs too much in these big games, and I agree with that. I'm not saying run quarterback power on every single snap. And a lot of the runs JT does in these games is because he's holding onto the ball too long. They're not designed runs, and he's just taking off because he doesn't want get, to get a sack. Um, in this game against Oklahoma and last year against Clemson, they basically acted like they didn't have a tailback. And I know Mike Weber had his problems last year. Maybe you didn't want to ride him. You didn't have confidence in him. Oklahoma couldn't stop the run. If Ohio State didn't throw the ball in the second half, I think they would have won that game. And just rode J.K. Dobbins and handed it to Mike Weber, whatever he could handle. Use J.T. in his own read game. Maybe throw it a little bit when you have to. But if they would have just rode the run game, they would have won that game. Oklahoma couldn't stop it. They sold out against the pass because they know Ohio State, like us, is completely fixated on showing the world they can throw the deep ball and I think they need to stop doing that.
0: Can they beat Alabama that way?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I, I think maybe. I think maybe. I, like, they weren't. When Cardell Jones is the quarterback, the game plan was run it up the middle with Zeke, and Cardell. I went back and watched a Sugar Bowl and forgot how good of a runner, actually, Cardell was. He, he was a really powerful runner, runner in that game. Didn't he run over Landon Collins t- two he separate did. times in that did. game? He yeah. ran over a guy, and then he hurtled another. Yeah, but the, the point is it was a little bit of quarterback run. It was a whole lot of Zeke Elliott. And then it was throwing the ball deep down the field, to Devin Smith. And maybe that is the perfect recipe. It probably is the perfect recipe to win a national championship. I don't think it's the only way to win a national championship. And maybe we get fixated on it because that's what Clemson has done. And, but like Alabama got to the national championship last year with a quarterback who I think is a lot like JT Barrett. and And once you start telling him to push the ball down the field, he's not that good. And he's a great runner. And Jalen hurts. Um, Nobody, I don't know if there's anyone question whether or not Alabama can win a national championship no. because they don't, they're not a deep shot team. They don't have, no, they don't I have don't, an NFL quarterback. I don't think that's the, I don't think that's the question that they're asking in Tuscaloosa. But also, I that makes me wonder, is, is Alabama scoring more than 24 points a game most of the time? Probably because I think Alabama has a, has a I mean, not probably, they are. Um, they didn't – I don't know what they scored. They scored 21 against Florida State, I think. I think it Maybe it was 20, 24. 21 or 24, but – Regardless. Yeah. You score – you play good defenses, that's going to happen. I think that Ohio State – and I don't, if the question is, do you think JT Barrett can win a national championship, I don't know. I think they can build a better offense around JT Barrett than the one they're trying to force upon him now that he's not fit for, if that makes sense.
2: And we and we see without. Al – I'll bring up Alabama again as another example. Against Florida State, I counted five different guys that reigned the football. Obviously, Jalen Hurts, but then you have Josh Jacobs, Damian Harris, Bo Scarborough, who is an absolute monster. He's, just another, he's basically a Derrick Henry clone. And then a true freshman, Najee Harris, who I think him, Cam Akers, and J.K. Dobbins are going to have to battle for the next three years over who's the best back in the country. Yeah, someone heard that. Of course. And um, here's my thing about Ohio State. You brought it up. If they want to have a commitment to run, why can't they do that? Why can't the, what, they only ha- – What
1: do they do best? Run the ball. Run the ball. And and only three guys had carries. J.K. Dobbins. And basically only one of them did. Like, yeah. It's inexcusable for J.T. Barrett to run the ball 18 times and the two running backs to combine for 16 carries. Yeah, that, so uh,
0: the, the one thing is <clears throat> Alabama uh, – Let me run through, just as a point of reference. I'm yeah. going to run through the point Alabama scored last year. 42, 38, 48, 48, 34, 49, 49, 33, 10 nothing against LSU. Mm-hmm. 51, 31, 30, 54, 24-7 against Washington. And they lost the national championship game 35-31. So they are putting up more than 24 points a game but against, against, all the time. against
1: But against the best teams, like Ohio State, they're not scoring a bunch. So, But they beat – I mean, they
0: beat – they played three ranked teams in the middle of last year, and they scored 49-49-33. Yeah. And then – so anyway – I mean, if you – the other thing, I mean, so we'll get into the run thing. But, I mean, if you're going to tell me the defense is going to play like the best defense in the country. But here's the thing. So my question, when I look at 31-16, my biggest problem is with the 16. With Ohio State's 16. That's what I'm worried about more and focused on. Yeah. I do not think giving up 31 to Baker Mayfield – is outrageous I don't think giving up 31 to Baker Mayfield it means you can't win that way mm-hmm. but maybe that's wrong Would Nick Saban look at Baker Mayfield and say we can't give up 31 we need to win that game 16 to 10 I don't care if he's Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma maybe they're not a great defense they have a couple really good players they had a good idea they had a good scheme we we don't throw it that well they're, they're athletic enough to limit our run game a little bit. So we're not trying to win 35-31, and we're not saying that's the offense's fault. We're trying to win 16-13, to 13, and that's the defense's fault. Is that the formula?
1: I mean, it can be, but, but not – With this defense that's filled no, with no, first-round
0: no. picks for Ohio State, say, listen, JT in the run game, we're, they're going to get you 17 you guys got to hold them to two touchdowns or less, and if you do, we'll win every game.
1: I think that can be the plan, but I think it matters how you get to the 16, if that makes sense. Like, if it's just a game that's played between the 20s because you got two really good defenses, whatever. Then you take what you can get. But Ohio State got into the red zone and, like, completely malfunctioned against Oklahoma, too. And that happened a little bit against Indiana as well. Um, so I don't. I don't think that is necessarily the plan Ohio State should be striving for because the offense, I think, in the end should be better than that. Um, And the defense is not good enough at the moment to play that way. So, no, I don't think – if that's the Alabama plan, then no, Ohio State shouldn't be striving for that because I don't think they're built for it.
2: If they're going to run the Alabama plan plan – it needs to be designed handoffs. It can't just be read options. I know that's a big part of the op- options, but you have to tell JT, okay, you're handing it to J.K. You're not reading. You're just handing it to him. Or Yeah, well, that him was him. the
1: thing. Like, Oklahoma was playing defense in a way that forced J.T. to keep the ball. So then don't just, yeah, run designed handoffs. They ran a lot of option, and yeah. I think J.T. kept it on every
0: option. I don't remember him doing a pitch.
1: Oh, the outside speed option, so speed he kept option. it every time. He kept it every time, and he got yards on it,
0: though. Yeah, he got was, yards it was, on it. it. It was an effective play for them. There's,
2: t-
1: there's times when he can
2: do that, and I think especially in the red zone when things bog down, quarterback runs should be
1: Good, even no, got it,
2: emphasized, I guess. and that's what he did two years ago when he was that red zone quarterback. That was obviously was, yeah. you know, a, pr- like a weird situation, but it worked. It, when you, Before you get there, though, rely on your running backs so that you save yourself as a quarterback for those read plays inside the 20 when everything's
1: condensed and you can rely on a guy who can run the zone read as well as JT Barrett can. Am I tell me if I'm wrong for thinking that on the, on the long list of issues this offense has, play calling has been the most egregious in these games where they're not scoring enough points.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously the 2015 game stands out as a play calling nightmare, the loss to Michigan State. Um, and, yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think all of us have thought that in 2015 and 2016, the play calling wasn't good enough.
1: And, obviously, Urban Meyer also thought that because the two guys who were calling the plays are gone. One sequence from the Oklahoma game in particular sticks out, and I think you may have highlighted it in something you wrote, Doug. It was the drive where it was three big hits from J.K. Dobbins on inside runs that, by the way, you hit three big runs and then sucked the defense up, and then he threw it deep to Austin Mack for 31 yards. They're in the red zone, and then they stopped giving the ball to the running back.
0: They got in the red zone, and the first play was uh,
1: a J.T. run. I think one was a J.T. – I think it was a designed JT, a, a J.T. run on a read that he should have given it up and then the ball that he missed at K.J. Hill in the end. Yeah,
0: well, the second one was the one Mike Weber came in motion, like a jet sweep motion oh, right. from from the outside receiver right. spot, but it was Mike Weber, not a receiver, and they faked the handoff to him and ran J.T. on second down. But they did not, to Tim's point, line up and call a handoff, a power run inside with J.K. Dobbins Which, or by Mike the way, Weber. they
1: scored a touchdown on the previous drive. Yeah, and uh, yes. J.K. Dobbins' six-yard touchdown run was just inside zone, tight zone, and they scored a touchdown.
2: It's, it, yeah. In some cases, go back to the old USC days, student body left. We're going to throw everything we got at the left. Try and stop us. That's ways, how they
1: won a lot of games, man. They just—I mean, it's a, it's a talent issue mostly, but
2: I don't know why they. It's hard to imagine when you have the kind of athletes Ohio State has why you don't. They don't just try and force it down somebody. And you, they
1: have other guys like it's not. And we're not saying just go full wing T and triple option. Remember, oh no, that would be. Or are we? <laughs> or are we saying that? I mean, obviously the pass has to be above somehow, but.
2: Even you off. have
1: Mike Weber, you have JK Dobbins. I think you should hand the ball to Paris Campbell, whether that's straight out of the backfield or on jet sweeps, whatever, put the ball in that guy's hand. Demario McCall, I don't know where he went. I don't know if he's still hurt. You have in my mind four guys who can carry the ball and be effective, plus your quarterback, who is a great runner. That has to be, in my opinion, their bread and butter moving forward and then work the pass game off of that. Because their pass game like, is not built off the running game. At all. Like, they don't use the run to set up the pass, ever. And I was asking Billy Price about this uh, tonight.
0: I'm still bothered a little bit by the idea of all the preseason. I'm going to write about this. All the preseason stuff, when they said the pass game looked great, was run in preseason against Ohio State's man defense. And then they came out and faced zone for the first two games. And JT Barrett said it after the game against Oklahoma on Saturday night. Well, yeah, all that stuff we were saying, that was against man. Now it's against zone. And it's like, well... You didn't think they might do that? Like, I get that that's what Ohio State's defense does. And so when you're going one versus ones, it's not game prep week. You're doing what your defense does. And I'm, obviously they did prep against it then in game week. So it's not like they were surprised by it. But all the good things that you heard and that we reported, and they told us ad nauseum, was based against man-to-man. And now they haven't seen that. So I said to Billy Price, and it's man-to-man. It's I mean, it's a zone defense where they're rushing three and dropping eight a lot of the time. And – Billy Price was saying that's hard to throw against all the windows are closed there's no openings especially if if you keep a back or a tight end at tight end in to help with protection and you're running four options against 8 or at the most you're running five there's eight guys covering five guys or eight guys covering four guys so i said so what do you do if it's, so sometimes people talk about defenses like wow well i guess and that's why football teams get shut out every week Because if you drop eight and rush three, it's impossible to move the ball. No, that's not it. Because otherwise, every defense in the world would do that. And every score of every game would be six to three. So I said, what do you do? You know what he said?
2: Run it. Run it. That's been Ohio State's identity since they've been good. Since even going back to the Woody Hayes era, it's never been a passing – No, program.
0: stop. We're not going to talk about Woody Hayes. Well, so not, no, I mean, the, po- I the, the point is it. the
2: formative identity of the program forever has been running the football.
0: But but this is the Urban Meyer offense. It doesn't matter what the formative identity of the program is. It's it's yeah. Urban
2: Meyer.
1: But Urban Meyer's offense is a power-run offense. And, and by the way, so, so is that. Kevin Wilson's. So, so, so what are they, they doing? Like, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I think like. I think they are hell bent on proving they can throw the ball down the field. Why? Just cuz we ask a bunch of questions about it? Uh, maybe. I, I mean, that shouldn't be the case, but why else would they be doing? Is it our fault? It, I mean, yeah, it's all for our fault. Yeah. It's our fault. So yeah. would you run it?
0: So you guys would run it?
1: You I guys would run out it. come out and pound it. Yeah. Come out and pound it until they have until the whoever you're playing is forced to adjust and when they come off to play the run you throw it over their head. It's like it's that simple. I don't know. It seems like And it's not that simple. Like we're not football coaches. Obviously there's more sophisticated than that, but that to me just seems like the fix. And the one
0: thing was when you try to do – if you try to do that against Clemson, Clemson's defensive line last year and carried over this year. Like the only defensive line in the country that people rank ahead of Ohio State's is Clemson's. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it's that defensive line that shut you out But they didn't even try to run the ball. Like they gave the ball to Curtis Samuel to try to run wide. They didn't even try to run inside on Clemson. And it would have been tough, especially after they lost Michael Jordan and Demetrius Knox is having a really hard time blocking people. Um, but they didn't even try it. I don't know if they just thought they weren't going to be able to do it. They were scared, whatever. It was just completely eliminated from the playbook,
2: does that go from back, the game
1: plan. Does that go back to Ohio State for years since
2: Tom Herman left not having a true offensive identity? You keep saying identity. I mean, like, I, I actually – I don't know. I mean –
0: I, I mean, you actually, gotta score. You gotta score points. I, I, I actually, you can have the identity conversation. People love to have the identity conversation. I'm not big on the identity conversation. I think it's like a crutch or for whatever. It's like you got to do what you got to do to win. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, their idea, but but it is their identity. I mean, if you if JT Barrett can't really throw, he's started thirty. What is he now? He's twenty-seven and five, right? Mm-hmm. I think exactly. it's right? So this would be start number thirty-three. Thirty-three. What is he? If you said what's JT Barrett, you wouldn't say he's a thrower. You'd say he's a running. It's, he's a running quarterback. A so that's great running quarterback. I mean, they had Ezekiel Elliott here. They had Mike Weber and Curtis. I mean, like that's what they are. I mean, that is their identity. Yeah. So it's calling good plays. I mean, I don't. I don't. It's
1: I, call it, yeah, call it's the good. right play. Call. Yeah, mix it up. Like it's not. Have a feel for it. And trust your. It does game. not feel that like they have a feel for it. That's a good way to like. It's not. And I tried to ask Kevin Wilson this after the Oklahoma game, and it probably wasn't the best place to ask, ask it. And I don't think he'd a- answer it anyway. But it does not feel like – he doesn't feel like he has a feel for what's happening. Like, if you the stuff that was written about Kevin Wilson when he was hired and, like, the biggest praise you hear of him as an offensive play caller, is like the way he sequences things and how one thing sets up another and then another, and then you're in the end zone. And that doesn't seem to be happening. Like, it seems like they'll run a – good, and successful play, and then not build off of that and try something that doesn't work. And they're forcing. I feel like they're just forcing the issue a lot. And throwing a lot on first down, which doesn't make sense to me. They're good putting themselves in second and long and third they, and long with I, a quarterback who's not built to throw the ball down the field to pick up first downs.
0: Now I want to look at that. It did feel like they threw a lot on first down. Yeah, I
1: didn't look it up and see how many times they threw it on first down. But it's just like I don't – it doesn't it, – again, I've said it like nine times. You have to build an offense around the personnel. And it's interesting because Irma Meyer always says like you build the system around the players, not force the system, not force the system onto them if they're not fit for it. And it feels like right. they're forcing the system onto them a little bit.
0: All right, let's get to a couple questions, but let's uh, let's do an ad off the top of my head first. So we want you guys to be listening to all of our podcasts here at Cleveland.com. You can go subscribe to Buckeye Talk in our own separate feed on iTunes and every other podcasting uh, place. But you also want to go to cleveland.com, the podcast feed for that, because what you're going to get there, you're going to get Cleveland baseball talk, Joe Noga, Paul Hoynes. They are doing a podcast every day about the hottest team in sports. It's redonkulous right now. You guys know Mm -hmm. what's up. I don't know. Maybe the Indians lost since we said this, but they haven't lost in like a month. You want to go – to the cleveland.com podcast feed to get that. Joe and Paul talk after every game. Joe Noga also has been doing interviews. He did Aaron Boone talking about the Indians. He did Pedro Gomez from ESPN talking about the Indians. If you care about the Indians, that is where you need to be. You also get wine and gold talk. That's the Cavs. When we had the Isaiah Thomas press conference the other day, Chris Fedor and Joe Varden broke that down right afterward. You want to listen to the, those guys talk about the Cavs. And then also, guess what? There is another competitive football team in the state of Ohio beyond the Ohio State Buckeyes. The Cleveland Browns, you want to go to our Orange and Brown podcast. Dan Labe, Scott Patsko, Mary Kay Cabot talking about the Browns every Monday. I just listened to one that they dropped after the close loss to the Steelers. Hugh Jackson is all excited about Deshaun Kaiser. He says there is hope again in the city, and everybody in Cleveland has a reason to be happy, and it's because of Deshaun Kaiser. Make sure you're listening to the Orange and Brown talk. Podcast, And then Takes by the Lake, I try to talk to different people around sports every Friday. Last Friday, I talked to Joe Posnanski about the Indians and Browns. This Friday coming up, I have a, I can't remember the guy's name. I think it's Derek Class. He's one of these film guys on Twitter that I really like in the NFL. He breaks down all the throws of all the guys. He has a lot to say about Deshaun Kaiser. We're going to talk for 25 minutes, hardcore, about the ins and outs of Deshaun Kaiser with a guy who watches film like a maniac. So you want to catch that. Again, Buckeye Talks, our own feed. Subscribe there. We know you guys are subscribed. Subscribe to all the other podcasts at cleveland.com. Questions. First question. Oh, by the way, I want to give a shout out. Our boy, Chase Richardson.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Had to get out of Dodge for Hurricane Irma. He goes to school in Fort Myers. He said that his place was not damaged, but his school is underwater, and there's a lot of damage elsewhere there. So uh, so for Chase and any other of you guys who are listening in South Florida or anywhere else in the South that was affected by Hurricane Irma, if you happen to be in the Houston area and you're still digging out from Hurricane Harvey – just know that the Buckeye Talk podcast team is with you. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening all over the country. And um, we're glad that Chase is okay. That was getting a little hairy there. Chase was telling us, like, he hopes he can listen, but he's got to get out of town. So um, we're glad he's back safe in one place.
1: Yeah. He just reviewed the podcast, too, by the way. Thanks, um, thanks Chase. Five
0: stars. Chase, you're five stars in our yeah, book.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Ryan Sullivan, first question. This is for me. You said the entire season could be foretold in the first half of Indiana. What can turn it at this point? The thing that I had said was I need to see the first half of Indiana to see if this team can win a national championship. What I basically meant like that was I wasn't picking them to win the national championship. If they came out and threw it with confidence and skill and looked different in the first half of Indiana, I would have said, yep, they can win the national championship. So no. (laughs) I didn't say that then. I'm certainly not saying it after Oklahoma. We can get into this later. I still think they can be a playoff team. I don't think this team right now can win the national championship. I don't think so. Either. Now, some, you know, we just talked about all the things they can do to change. If the defense is dominant, if they commit to the run and try to win 16-13, maybe if they made a quarterback change. Certainly, the season is not lost. And we'll get into that through a question, and we'll make sure we deal with that later. If you think the season is lost, you're wrong there, too. we were as critical as anybody. This is not a lost season at all. All not close, but I think it can turn around. But I'm not banking on it right now because they had a whole off season to turn around and they didn't do it. Ryan Sullivan, follow up question Are grilled nuggets really chicken nuggets? <laughs> um, you guys
1: go first. Uh, so Chick fil A has grilled nuggets, right? Is that I don't know if I've ever like, I've had, grilled- I guess,
0: just Chick fil A. Have you seen grilled nuggets anywhere else?
1: Um, no, I mean. I'm actually honestly
2: gonna say yes because I mean the only difference between grilled and fried is honestly just the breading. In a way it's the same kind of thing. So
1: I don't know. I think uh I think nugget is tied to the breading. Yes. Yeah.
0: I mean it's like if, if would you say if you ate
1: if you got a hamburger without the bun, is it a hamburger? No, but and also like if I if I cook the piece of grilled chicken and then put it on a plate and cut it up into little pieces, I'm not eating chicken nuggets.
0: Yeah, because the thing about the nugget that differentiates it from the larger chicken tender is that the breading is around – like if you the cut up bite. a chicken tender, yeah. it's not nuggets because there's naked parts of that meat Correct. now. Correct, The nugget is the entire breading of the morsel. Yes. When you don't have the breading, you don't allow that action to take place. I think by definition – I think if you looked up nugget in the dictionary, it would say breaded chicken it wouldn't just say small piece of chicken you oh, can't that's just that's cut good. things up into small pieces and have it be new you have to do something else so by breading
1: the entire nugget you're do you're taking another action to that piece of food according to merriam-webser it is a small usually rounded piece of food rounded but it doesn't say breaded it does not say breaded. that's wrong yeah. that's a wrong dictionary also uh, a solid lump is also the yeah. definition for nugget <laughs> Nugget. A solid lump. <laughs> a solid lump. Yeah,
0: that's what we call our OSU daily nuggets. It's the OSU daily lump. S- solid of information.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, no. That girl- makes me feel weird now. Yeah. Um. Oh wow, Ryan Sullivan dropped a third question.
2: This was only addressed to me though. Wow, you can drop drop that in ten. All right. So Ryan Sullivan asks, "Will Zach Smith be Doug's next Tim
1: Beck?" We're down that road pretty far. Here's one thing I'll say before you go down that road, and I think you gave Tim Beck credit for this too. And maybe it was because he did it because he knew he was on his way out the door going to Texas. But he asked, uh, stood, and faced some questions after they got shut out. We're not going to talk to Zach Smith all year.
0: No, Tim Beck knew he had that job in his pocket, by the way. Yeah. When I was asking him after the Fiesta Bowl if he was going to get fired, and he was like, well, you know, I don't know. It's like, I'm moving to Texas, like literally in four hours. (laughs) Um, No, it seems like we've had a little change in the media schedule. We used to get a different assistant coach every week. It seems like we're leaning basically to getting the offensive and defensive coordinator every week, which actually is great. Like on – we do appreciate there are places where coordinators don't talk. I know on the Alabama beat, they go nuts at the bowl games because it's the one time they get to talk to the coordinator all year. I think Belichick doesn't have coordinators talk possibly. Right, he does not. They want one voice. Those control freak coaches want a single voice, theirs. So we give credit to Ohio State and Urban Meyer for allowing us to talk to Greg Sciano and Kevin Wilson. But we used to get – it was a rotation. You'd get Kerry Combs one week. You'd get Larry Johnson one week. You would get Zach Smith one week. Except they'd never show up. And so if we don't get Zach Smith, um, here's the thing that I don't like and why I think, especially in college, and I think it's bullcrap that Nick Saban doesn't let assistants talk, is because the unpaid players come out and answer. So if you have a question about why isn't a group of players playing well, if the players can talk about it, then the people who are paid to coach them and coach their position group, they can talk about it too. So um, – yeah, I mean, I wrote last year, three Ohio State offensive coaches weren't getting it done. The three were Ed Warner, Tim Beck, and Zach Smith. Only one of them is left. That will not be the last thing I say about Zach Smith if this thing doesn't get turned around. Yep. Eddie Vulek, his, he has a rainbow in his uh, name, and his he's at Zadea. He's loyal. We appreciate it. This is for Landis mostly. The NFL and other scouts are saying Urban's offense hasn't changed in years. Why is that? And What could, what could he change it? to over this season. You had written about this, whether yeah. the offense needs to change.
1: I mean, it hasn't changed because he's won three national championships. And, I mean, to a certain extent, if it's not broke, don't fix it, but it's broken a little bit. And it's not – so what I wrote – um what's today, Tuesday? On Tuesday morning is whether or not Urban Meyer will allow Kevin Wilson to take over the offense. And people were like, well, he's the offensive coordinator. Like, yes, he is the offensive coordinator. But if you think that any offensive coordinator – under Urban Meyer has ever had true autonomy in terms of putting together the offense, you're wrong. It's it's never happened. It's Urban Meyer's offense. It always has been, and probably always will be. Um, And Kevin Wilson and Urban Meyer have very similar philosophies. So even if he did give full control to Kevin Wilson, it's not like it's going to look totally different. Um, I do think that you could see Urban Meyer's fingerprints all over the Oklahoma game plan, especially as it pertained to the quarterback run game. I think it's always been a crutch for him, and it's not a crutch for Kevin Wilson. He made that, I think, pretty clear when I asked him in the preseason what he thinks about the quarterback run, and he views it as complimentary. He does not view it as something you need to do on every play. He'd rather stretch the field horizontally, attack you horizontally, open you up, and then run the ball up the middle. Um, And that's what Evermeyer wants to do too. I just think turning it over to Kevin Wilson allows a little more room for creativity, um, gives him more freedom as a play caller to call the plays that he likes and not the plays that Evermeyer has relied on for a long time. Um, does not make them as predictable as they've been in these big games. I think brings the running back back into the picture, like the stuff we were talking about earlier. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think Urban Meyer takes a little too much control of the offensive game plan when they play in these big games, which makes a little bit of sense because it's his baby and he wants his team to win a big game. But I think he's possible he's doing more harm than good when these games.
0: But do you think do you think his offense is like getting outdated? I mean, yeah, again, you yeah. asked, the, the, you asked him this answer,
1: specifically.
0: It was the Urban yes. also was deflective, and we get it. But yeah. We we you get it. You're mad, you're trying to figure it out, you don't want to answer a million questions. He was not as uh long in his answers and is not as specific as usual on Monday when we talked to him. The best answer he gave was when Bill asked him that question.
1: Yeah, I asked him, Are you still confident that your offensive philosophy can win you these big games, or is there something that's funda- f- fundamental that needs to change? And his answer was basically that. Defenses have caught up and possibly surpassed what he likes to do offensively. He said the multiplicity of defenses has given them problems in these games, that it's a common theme. People are throwing different stuff at them, the bare defense, the out fronts, um, all kinds of different stuff, and they're not adapting well. Um, so, yeah, I think that his offense has grown a little stale.
0: It's strange because... I dealt with this for however many years I covered Jim Trestle and every year it was, it was a very strange phenomenon to me of, and that, and actually I probably need to write this. This is what I feel like we're getting to with this. Ohio State was an unbelievably successful team under Jim Tressel. Unbelievably successful. They won the Big Ten title every year from 2005 to 2010. Ridiculous. And all anybody did was complain about Trestle's offense. Like trestle ball was like a joke. Like you won, you won, you won, you won, you won. But people were mad. People wanted more. They saw this new evolution led in part by Urban Meyer to this spread offense, to this more – a lot of this like the the Big 12 spread is different than the Urban Meyer spread. Spread – we had a a story idea about this that we were going to do and we we never got to and (laughs) – um, But spread is – I mean spread is like a – it's almost like a wrong – it's like a bad – it doesn't really explain anything because yeah. all it is is like shotgun all the time, three wide outs a lot, single yeah. back, no full back, yeah. you know, maybe handing off to that slot receiver like the – You know, that's what it is. But whether you throw 60 times out of that, whether you use a power run game out of that, whether you run the quarterback or whether you run the tailback – all that stuff, thats all, there are varieties within that. So the Big 12 spread is not the Urban Meyer spread. But all people did was complain about Jim Trestle's offense, that it wasn't good enough, that they didn't score enough points, that it was boring, right? And I remember asking Jim Trestle – people wanted Mike Martz to come be the offensive coordinator for Ohio State. And I remember asking Jim Trestle in the hallway at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, and we used to get interviews inside the building – are you going to bring in an offensive coordinator? And he said, what am I going to do? Sit and eat bonbons all day? Like he was very involved in the offense. He was, he had his good friend, Jim Bowman up in the box, but you never had any doubt that Jim Bowman had, was in the box and had the title, but you knew Tress was running that show on game day. Um, and this is what this feels like. Just creeping a tiny half step toward that of, Urban Meyer is unbelievably successful here. Unbelievably successful. But are people – it doesn't matter what fans think. I mean it does. Of course it matters what fans think. But that doesn't change what the coach thinks, right? But is there any reality to the idea of the offense is getting – like something needs to change. I never thought because when Urban Meyer got here, Urban Meyer was far more exciting. They scored a lot more points at Florida. It was like, oh my gosh, we're bringing this offense to Ohio State. People were going crazy. And now here we are in year six, and maybe it's getting stale. It fascinates me that that's possibly possibly where we could be, because I never would have thought we would have gotten to this point.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if we're totally there. And and I didn't cover Trestle like the who was the play caller. It was the ultimate question. We only asked that question
0: of Trestle 4,000 times. Yeah, and
1: I think like there's but,
0: a- but the end answer basically was Trestle.
1: Urban Meyer is not the play caller. But I also think that doesn't matter. And I, maybe I said this on the podcast. But like the, the the decider and play caller are two different things, and certainly the setup last year and the last two years with Tim Beck and Ed Warner, where conversation among Beck, Warner, and Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer has final say, and then Tim Beck's the guy who says we're running this play. But t- Tim Beck was not making the decision on which play was being run. No, but Ed was. Um, Ed, I think Ed was, and I think Urban was too, especially in these bigger yeah. games, especially in these bigger games.
0: Well, but no, but yeah, I think I always like, I always like to try to explain it as Urban Meyer might say, go over the top, but he doesn't say run XYZ right. escape right, 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 three right.
1: tiger. Yes.
0: He says time for a deep shot Yeah, or Urban Meyer says pound it. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't think he's, I don't think he's yelling out specific plays.
0: But if Urban Meyer thinks we're not running the ball enough, and damn it, we better run the ball, or you're going to get fired, he can say that.
1: Yeah, which I thought made his post game comments interesting. He said, "Because he said I wasn't happy with the play calling. Well, like then change it. Get on. If you have a headset that's connected to Kevin Wilson's headset, if you don't think you're running the ball enough, tell him that, and then you'll start running the ball. You make more money than he does. That doesn't make any sense to me." Unless it's part of the thing like you guys talked about. Are they throwing the deep trying to throw too
2: much because they keep talking about it or because they really believe they can do it, but they just it's still they just still haven't been able to do it through two games.
0: It's just hard. It's always hard. I feel like we give Urban a pass a lot on the off Urban like basically has nothing to do with the defense. So when the, the defense gives up fifty points, he can blame somebody else. Yeah. But he's I mean like he doesn't get a pass on the offense. It's like Ed Warner and Tim Beck lost their job. So and and let's get so let's get to this isn't a question but there there's been a general vibe I've gotten general questions from a lot of people about this like is it the coach's fault what do you do the coaching it's the coaching it's the coaching and I would just like to say to people remind them if you're talking about the coaching if Cardale Jones's tweets seem to be talking about the coaching you're talking about Urban Meyer so so then what He's sixty-three and seven. He has three national championships. One of them here at Ohio State. He's Sixty, no, sixty-two and seven. 62, He's a, and seven. sixty-two and seven at Ohio State. What, you, like, what's your point, Tim? If someone says, oh, the coaching," Blah, the coaching, Blah, blame that. What is actually the point there that people are
2: trying to make? I think the people, the point people are trying to make is that we heard all this talk about you know bringing in a. Uh, highly regarded offensive coordinator, Kevin Wilson. You bring in a quarterback coach from the NFL and Ryan day. And yet the product looks the same, which is this. I mean, we've seen this for two years. Everybody has seen this for two consecutive years. And you got rid of two key components, of the offensive coaching staff. You brought in two more. You're trying to naturally piece together what's left. You know, what hasn't changed. It's urban Meyer essentially. And it's, Again, the question you guys brought up, is the offense stale because he hasn't adapted or is it, just, is it something else deeper that's going on?
0: So if, you're, but if you're saying, so if you're putting it at Urban Meyer, then what are you saying? Are you saying that he's not a good coach anymore? Are you saying he's doing a bad job hiring assistants? Are you saying that he's like what? What are you saying about Urban Meyer? Obviously, it's not that you think Urban Meyer
1: should be fired. I know nobody's saying that, but what are you saying? I think um, he plays it safe. I think he's afraid to take like JT's afraid to take risks because Evermire's afraid to take risks. Both of them are risk averse, which seems weird to me because
2: what we knew, what we you know what did we know about him in Florida way back you know when he had did he ran Tim Tebow every two plays and they every other play? they ran up the score like so many times mostly because in two thousand eight they had to with one loss but they he always had the pedal down. Every, almost every chance he could some of those years.
0: Here's Eric Bronstein is the guy who's sort of on Twitter. I remember I had one question, sort of crystallized it. Uh, e. Bron, S-T-E. Since 2014, the offensive coordinators, the O-line, JT, and the receivers have all been blamed in losses due to inept offense. At this point, isn't it Urban's
2: fault? Yeah, I think so.
1: He's got. I to, think that's obvious.
2: He's got to have a willingness to adapt. If he said it himself that defenses are adapting to him... Isn't the phrase adapter die? I I can't remember exactly who said that, who always had that phrase adapter die. But... Is it Spider Man? It might have been Spider Man or maybe Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> if it was Spider Man then... I
0: think I might have seen it on the on the wall of the Woody somewhere. Adapter die. Spider Man and or Abraham Lincoln. Yeah.
2: Is that in that like the quote at the beginning of Talladega Nights that says like America's all about speed, oh, yeah. Eleanor Roosevelt, whenever? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so,
0: yeah. But is that is that the point we're at? Is Ohio State's point, offense not, uh, dying?
1: Bill, is that dying? what you just said,
0: Bill Landis?
1: Dying? Yeah, maybe. It's not dead. I think the Ohio State offense, as we know it, the thing that Ever Meyer always talks about, needs to change somewhat. Not completely, somewhat. Like, let Kevin Wilson do his thing. And then if it's bad, then whatever. Kevin Wilson's yeah. not as good as we thought he was. But I think it's abundantly clear that Kevin Wilson has not been allowed to put his touch on the offense the way we thought he would.
0: Are they up to How much up-tempo did they do the other night? They acted like they were going to go 1,000 miles an hour. On the they went
1: up-tempo on their first possession and had the quickest three and out in the history of three and outs, <laughs> and then put the defense back on the field. And I think it was a fumble that got them the ball back after that. So, uh, Jordan, at
0: Nartker underscore Jordan, N-A-R-T-K-E-R underscore Jordan, Again, will Urban finally change his offensive approach? I need answers and thoughts. Like that's – I mean, again, this is where this is where people are. And I, I didn't – I'm a little surprised at where we are, but
1: I, I get why we're here. Um, the thing that's frustrating about it is I don't know if we're going to get an answer to that anytime soon because they can play the way they've always played and rack up the points against the next four teams they play. Yeah. So it's not like – they don't have to play a different way until they probably play Penn State on October 28th. In about 70% of the games, they can essentially out-talent
2: their opposition because they just have the athletes to do that. Yeah, it's against the with, Oklahomas yeah. of the world. Clemson, Michigan, Penn State. Yeah, where absolutely. Urban Meyer uncharacteristically, uncharacteristically buttons it up, and similar to the way Jim Trussell used to do it, conservative... That's- it sounds –
0: God, it's like the thing you just said is like exactly what people said about Trestle. When they lost the national championship games to Florida and LSU in 2006 and 2007, the issue was when they have better talent, they win. And Trestle almost never got upset, just like Urban. I mean these are not teams just like Sabin every now and then will drop in one of those losses, right? I mean yeah, like yeah. when they lose, they don't lose to a top five team. Tressel like Tressel lost to Purdue that one year in 09. It was a huge upset. But otherwise, when they had equal talent, they almost always won. And then they got to those big games, and they lost to Florida in 2006. They lost to LSU in 2007. They lost to Texas in the Fiesta Bowl in 2008. And it was like when they get to the equal talent games, they don't have the strategy, the play calling, the cojones, whatever you need to get good talent over the top. And the one thing- and I and that's where we are. That's where we are with Urban Meyer. Is that right? That's where we but they are? Had it,
1: I mean, they had it in 14. They ran a freaking wide receiver pass in a sugar bowl. Like, where's that stuff? Is it in Texas? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But, with the pixie dust? The Tom Herman took to Texas? But I think, yeah, but I just think, and maybe it was, because that was Herman's third year as the offensive coordinator. Yeah. So there was Correct. certainly a comfortability factor there and Kevin Wilson's been here for just a few months now but I, like and that goes back to the point I'm making and it's like I don't want to see him run a trick play on every play that'd be awesome but they're not going to do it um but Kevin Wilson I think has some stuff up his sleeve like you don't play with Ohio State while you're coaching at Indiana unless you know what you're doing from an offensive game plan standpoint and play calling standpoint and like he just didn't forget all that stuff and now he's doing it with better players which is the stuff we said all all along about him allow him to do it do they
0: run much uh, wait. What's the like word? Like misdirection or like no? What's, there's no what's misdirection. The there's no like, screens. screens. There's none the, of that stuff. stuff to get yeah. like th- you know the throwback to the tight end, but even like um, and like I said, it's not
1: trick plays. It's just it's just misdirection and play. It's built. It's it's ru- it's running the ball and then building your passing game off a successful run game.
0: Most of their most of the stuff that might give the defense any trouble is is read stuff. Is yeah. JT making a read either on a speed option or in the zone read? And they pop those sometimes, mm-hmm. but they need a sec- They need something more than that.
1: Yeah, and they did run. I think they ran like a, a, a play where it was like a, a, a zone read and then a bubble screen to KJ Hill. Right?
0: You know what? I'm not a, a big fan of. I guess they don't maybe do it that much. I don't like when you throw the swing pass, like the plan swing pass to the dude, and he has no blockers.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, I mean- and that
0: because that's like, hey, make a move. Which again, eight times out of a season, Ohio State's playing teams were their tailback. Mm-hmm can make a move in the open field and get past a guy. Mm-hmm. But when you play teams where they're going to tackle you, then you have trouble. Yeah. It just felt like an, – and this is – I mean it's sort of I, – I, I wrote it as sort of a – I don't know if I meant it as a positive or a negative. Not a negative, but – just that to me, Urban Meyer, the thing last week I wrote and asked him about that, he's like a culture coach now. He's not an X and O's guy. But Lincoln Riley coming in, nobody thought Lincoln Riley was going to come in and beat Ohio State because Oklahoma's culture. Because Lincoln Riley was going to get everybody fired up for the big game. They thought he was going to draw some stuff up. Guess what? The dude drew some stuff up.
1: The, the kind of stuff we're talking about. Yeah. Like the misdirection yes. play. Like every, every – I think every touchdown they scored, or maybe every pass he threw, was a play-action pass.
0: That pass, I mean, the pass, touchdown pass to a fullback that three linebackers bite on. What is the equivalent of that in the Ohio
1: State offense right I mean, now? That it was out of, I think, believe it do was they out, have that? It was out even, of a two-back set. I think I don't even think there is an equivalent. I mean, but if, why can't what there can be? Why can't there be? There's but there's no a lot that but, they can learn from Oklahoma's but offense.
0: But, but but they don't do anything, right? I mean, Tim, you're saying what's the thing of where's the thing where an Ohio State guy comes open because two or three defenders bite on something else? Do we see that?
2: No, and I think, going back to Bill's point, you brought in Kevin Wilson. Let him do his job. And, you know, we get back to the Alabama thing. Nick Saban, for, you know, as much as we think he's, you know, a control freak at times, he lets his coordinators do their jobs. You know, Lane Kiffin had his... least offensively. Lane Kiffin had his impact on that offense for as long as he was there, because he, even though Lane Kiffin's polarizing, Nick Saban let Lane Kiffin do his job. And Urban Meyer has to do the same thing with Kevin Wilson. He, he coached against Kevin Wilson for years. He knows Kevin Wilson's offense is great. He has to let Kevin it Wilson coach the offense <laughs> that he coached in Indiana. Whether that means, you know, give him the full reins completely or whatever, it's his offense, let him do it his way, and be the culture coach that you are. All right,
0: another good question from Mike Moore, then we'll get down to some food talk. We haven't had food talk in a while because— are there uh, any defensive questions. Yeah, there's actually, there's two. I have a Mike Moore question, then we have a defense question. Okay. Mike Moore, at Mike Moore, last name's M-O-H-R. Seems like they're running less jet sweeps. Would adding more of them move the linebackers and make throwing easier? Mm-hmm. This is a burr in the saddle of Bill Landis. Yeah, the like, death of the jet
1: sweep. I like the jet sweep. And I Where'd it go? I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know. <laughs> didn't we, didn't <laughs> I, mean, we, I didn't mean to get defensive about it. <laughs> didn't we, uh, haven't we said for weeks
2: that that's... The prototypical Paris Years. gamble play—it's gone. He it's is, gone since fourteen. Left with Tom Herman. It's the H it's, it's essentially the H back play. Paris Gamble It slide. is. Yeah. Have him come in motion. Make that a read fake. Because if you have a guy with four well, speed going, and, for and they
0: did. Feet. I mean, they did. They did it with Mike Weber on second down, and it didn't work at all. But yeah. the thing is, it didn't work because they faked it. And they never run it. Like, I don't think Oklahoma thought, well, they're probably not going to hand it to Mike Weber on a jet sweep. They don't run jet sweeps anymore. Yeah. So there's no – why fake something that you don't do?
1: That goes back to a lack. But it is –
0: that's – it's – It's.
1: I think in general – and sorry to cut you off. (coughs) I think in general – and they had some outside runs. Like, Mike Weber had a nice outside run, I think, for 13 yards. But I think that's not quite what we're talking about when we talk about attacking the the edges of the field. And I feel like they're doing that much less than they did in 2014 and have not – attack the perimeter really at all since that season. It's, it's been a lot of inside, which is fine when you have Zeke Elliott because he's going to run for 200 yards, but it all builds off of each other, and, and a, stressing a defense horizontally is like the foundational principle of, of what Kevin Wilson and Urban Meyer do, and they're not doing it.
0: I thought we were going to go uh, 60 minutes this week. We can't do it. No. God, we're blabbermouths. Mostly me. I talk for 80% of the time. I can't sure. help it. Yeah. And I admit I'm a little bit of a rambler, too. That's what we are. We are, people. But you know what? We're growing.
1: Sure.
0: We used to get – if we used to get like 22, 23, 2,500 listens, we were pretty happy. If we don't hit 4,000 now, we're mad. Yeah. And I'm going to make a pledge. I've been thinking about this pledge. I don't mean to make it. Every time – so every time we hit a new threshold, I think we've gotten to 5,000 but kind of in a weird way like after the Fiesta Bowl and stuff. Yeah. I will make a $100 donation to – A charity of a listener's choice every time we hit a new threshold of thousand with a podcast. So if we get to five thousand on a podcast, we'll figure out you guys can tweet me and I'll make a hundred dollar donation. And then if we get to six thousand ever, I'll do another one, seven thousand, eight thousand, nine thousand, ten thousand. I want us to get to five thousand on the next time we do that. We've done it once or twice, but I want it to be legit. All right. And then we'll get, we'll get suggestions from you guys, causes you care about. 5000 for the podcast. But first, another defense question. Chris, sports fan, is the defensive line overrated? I don't think two sacks is very good for the best D-line in the country,
1: even against an amazing offensive line like Oklahoma. Is it overrated? I mean, they should have had probably four or five sacks. That's what Baker Mayfield does best, is escape those things. Um, I don't know if they're over. Maybe, maybe – yeah, probably slightly overrated. If we're gonna, t- do you guys see Gerald McCoy's tweet after the game? Yeah, yes. Gerald McCoy tweeted something like, "Didn't the coach say this is the best line he ever had?" Like Gerald McCoy, who went to Oklahoma and played for Greg Schiano, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, for real? Said like, "Didn't the coach say this is the best defensive line he's ever been part of or something like that?" Yeah, um, that was funny. But uh, it's probably slightly overrated because I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure it's the best defensive line in the country, and, like that it ever was. Like Clemson's really good, and then it was also brought a lot back from last year. Um, but two sacks against Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield, I don't think is a sign of that. I just think it's a sign that Baker Mayfield's awesome at escaping pressure, which he did, I don't know, three, four times in that game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, hit. he particularly had one where both Sam Hubbard and Malik Harrison were right there for a sack. He got away from both and made like a 15-yard throw to the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Douglas DeLillo, is the defense quietly a bigger problem than the offense? The linebackers look lost in coverage, and the DBs are struggling mightily. Bill, you broke down the linebackers, but Tim, we'll let Tim go first. I mean, should we be talking
2: about the defense as much as the offense? I think so, because, I mean, you look at the passing yards. Ohio State is dead last defensively. You talk about Nebraska's defense being as bad as Ohio Ohio State's. Nobody's as bad as Ohio State's passing defense, because it's dead last. I mean... 400-plus yards against Indiana. They almost gave up another 400 against Oklahoma. And weren't we saying something again, in the Oklahoma game, how it seemed like every single time Baker Mayfield ran ready to play action, every linebacker bit, every time, when you know Oklahoma doesn't have a go-to running back. I mean, that's a problem. When you have your three linebackers constantly biting, when you should be expecting pass, 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 pass.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's just as much of a problem – Maybe more so. Um, I personally don't think more so. Maybe, yeah, Go probably, ahead. more so is probably a little strong, but it's, it's definitely a problem when it's not being talked about enough. Um, I feel good about Denzel Ward, and that's about it. Um, Damon Webb, I think, has been okay. The other safety spot is is not in any way, shape, or form solidified. Um, the linebackers were all three, and I guess four, if you want to throw Malik Hirschman in that mix, I thought played very poorly against Oklahoma and were victimized in the play-action-pass game. Um, to the tune of a hundred, almost a hundred receiving yards from a fullback who had three, whose uh, career high before Saturday was three catches in a game, and he had seven um, against Ohio State. And I just thought the game plan was weird. There was one play where Jerome Baker started up to the line and then ran twenty-five yards back into the secondary to play deep safety with Damon Webb. And then it was third and five. It was third and five. You have two two safeties playing twenty yards downfield. And then Baker Mayfield just threw it into the middle of the zone where there was nobody. I just the, – the play – the game plan defensively I thought was a little baffling. Um, and then it was not executed well at all by just about everyone maybe outside of a couple defensive linemen and Denzel Ward.
0: Even when they're really good, they are often bend but don't break. So I do think like in the first half – on one hand, Oklahoma could have taken a very commanding lead in the first half, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the reasons they didn't is because they went for it on two fourth downs and didn't make it did either it time. And they also got in the red zone and
1: got held to a field goal try that they missed. They also dropped a jet sweep or a uh, swing pass, backward pass. They
0: did drop a backward pass, and then Chris Worley also forced a fumble with a picture perfect tackle. Mm-hmm. So, um, Oklahoma was moving the ball and the defense was doing, you know, Oklahoma was sloppy. Oklahoma was sloppy in the first half, but also the defense sort of did, well, it was 3-3 at halftime, right? Yep. So in the first half, what was the bigger problem? Certainly the offense. Mm-hmm. Now, Baker from Mayfield, I think, I don't know, 70% of what Oklahoma did was just Baker Mayfield being Baker Mayfield and... I think Trace McSorley can do versions of that, I and mean, then Penn State also has the best running back in the country, and Oklahoma didn't have close to that. So I would be worried about the Penn State offense. But most people, most individual talents are not going to be able to do what Baker Mayfield did, um, whereas I see the passing and the lack of offensive rhythm, um, but mostly the passing attack, as a continued problem no matter who you play. yeah, I don't know how that gets solved unless – Ohio state does something drastic or drastically improves. Whereas one of the main things for the defense is don't play Baker Mayfield.
1: Yeah. And the defense is also on the field a lot. The time of possession, I think was 35, 25, pretty large discrepancy. Um, so yeah, I, the deep, the past defense is certainly a problem. Not as much of a problem as, um, Ohio state's offense, but it's not like we were told these corners are just as good as the corners who were here last year. They're not, it's not close. Um, The linebackers, as a collective, are not as good as they were last year yet, and it's two games, but they lost a pretty big one because their defense, in addition to the offense, did not play very well. All right, enough with football. God, football. Let's talk about food. Sure. All right, so
0: we have the poll running. We'll still get to the poll later. This podcast is going to be like two hours long. (laughs) What are we supposed to do? Not talk? What are we supposed to do? Keep it going, man. Just be honest. Let's give a short, brief honest answer and i promise i won't get mad you guys can even say your answer at the same time do i talk too much in the podcast
1: no i don't think so no okay that makes me feel good I all think, right i think tim was gonna say whatever i said
0: <laughs> no, i was gonna say no anyways tim tim is still scared of me at this point he's still feeling me out which is probably the right move um Someone I'm trying to look for the question. Someone asked us if it's your if you had a last meal, would you eat at McDonald's or Wendy's? As a sports writer meal. Mm, that's, I'll, that's let me find the actual question. You guys answer. That's an easy one.
2: Wendy's. I, Wendy's. Zero hesitation from me.
0: Founded in Columbus, by the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I didn't know that until I moved here.
0: Yeah. There yeah. was they used to have the original Wendy's in downtown Columbus and I did get to go. Uh, but then they shut it down. Which I can't believe. What's there now, do you know? Like a bank. Dumb. Ridiculous! Yeah. I've been to the original KFC, which is somewhere in Kentucky, of course. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's not in Missouri. <laughs>
0: and I've been to the original Wendy's. I would like to hit as many original fast food restaurants as possible. I would like to go to the original Chipotle. Where's the?
1: That's in Colorado, right? Yeah. Where's the original McDonald's? California. I'm guessing
0: the, it's yeah. the whole right crock I mean, the movie's out about yeah, it, right? Have you guys seen it? With the one. Michael Keaton. Yeah, Did you was, see that
2: movie? It was on both flights I took to and from England in July. I missed them both times. <laughs> or, That's what English people—they're
0: like they're like yeah. warning English people about coming to yeah. America. Here's a movie ideas. about the guy who stole the hamburger idea. <laughs> um, I would also say Wendy's. Wendy's good. I mean, should you guys get the chili or the big potato or whatever when you go to Wendy's? Sometimes, but the burger is just better. Also, too. Yeah, I think, yeah, I just
1: think across the board the food is better. But I don't, I don't, I don't stray away from the traditional burger, chicken nugget, French fry, chicken sandwich. We eat Wendy's a lot. My kids are addicted to the four for four. Um, Someone
0: now, God, I can't, it's like we have so many questions, I can't find them all. Someone asked, are the Wendy's fries better now or the old way? But now they have like the new whatever, like potato cut. Tim's shaking his head. Which do you like better? Old ones.
2: I have not been a fan. I'm sorry, Wendy's, if anybody there's listening to this.
0: Ooh, it's Allen Kitchen, A Kitchen 87. What's better, Wendy's original fries or Wendy's newer natural cut fries? The original, way better.
1: I I'm, remember when the change happened, thinking that the old ones were better, but at this point I can't even remember what the old ones tasted like. I thought the new ones were saltier at first, but again,
2: I'm sort of, yeah. Maybe I'm waxing nostalgic, but I just, I grew up on the older French fries from Wendy's. I'm still angry they got rid of those. I'm, still, I'm not as angry as when they made the switch over in Burger King, because the fries, old ones and new ones, are not even comparable. So what's the fry order now? Cause I did. Uh,
0: do you guys listen to Malcolm Gladwell's podcast ever? Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell. What's it called? I can't remember it. Just had the second called, season that uh,
1: just ended. Man, what's it called?
0: Revisionist history. Revisionist history. But one of the episodes in the second season was all about how they the McDonald's French fries used to be awesome, and they used to be cooked in beef fat, and then like American went nuts and tried to get fake healthy, and McDonald's had to switch over to vegetable oil, which it turns out is not really any better for you than beef fat, and now the fries stink. But that. It was like in, switched in the mid-90s or something and that Malcolm Gladwell was talking about when he was a kid, like the McDonald's french fry was like literally the perfect food and now they're awful. But there's a whole generation of people, including you two knuckleheads, yeah. who have never even had a real McDonald's french fry because they used to be crispier and golden brown and like fluffy on the inside and crispy on the outside and you get a lot of – I feel like you used to never get like a floppy McDonald's French fry. I think you get a lot of floppy fries now. That's
1: that's the word. I hate like when you go to McDonald's late night sometimes and it's just like bottom of the barrel French fries and it's just a soggy mess.
0: All right. So we're going to get to the poll soon, but I wanted to get to one of the things that we had – it's not a question, but it's a topic that I had written down. What is the deal with the black iced coffee? I want to know if you are the only person in America who gets – Iced coffee black because you think you might be because it seems like people are incapable of giving you the order correctly.
1: When I go to McDonald's, McDonald's, our office, and other times, uh, I drink iced coffee at weird times and basically I would, every minute of every all day. All the time, yeah. I, I always tell—I was like, I don't drink it for the caffeine; I just like the taste, which like if someone who's addicted to caffeine says. Um, but yeah, every time I go to McDonald's and order a, an iced coffee black. Fifty percent of the time I get it with still cream and sugar because that's the default. And then people look at me like I'm crazy because I drink hot coffee black and I drink iced coffee black. I think coffee with milk and sugar or cream and sugar or just cream or just sugar is gross. I've had it once, I'll never have it again. But I don't know, like am I am I Are you the only person in America? Plenty, plenty of people drink their coffee black. Like hot coffee black. Yes. But is it weird to drink iced coffee black? I think so because America
0: thinks that cold coffee is an excuse to drink a milkshake thanks to Starbucks. And McDonald's has copied that. So they think if you're getting coffee that's cold, any kind of coffee beverage, whether it's a – whatever, you must want a ton of cream and sugar in it because you're just tricking
1: yourself. You just want – you're a man – I just want the You have guy. a beard and yeah. you drink iced black coffee. Yeah. And I like cold brew, which is always comes with sometimes I have sugar in it, but I don't like that either. Yeah, I just want I want water and coffee beans. That's all I want.
0: Tim, if they gave you if someone gave you an iced black coffee, would you spit it out?
2: I'm not a coffee drinker, so I have no horse in this race.
1: Tim would spit it out. I would also spit it yeah. out. Although, you drink. You drink. You don't. You never drink iced coffee, but you drink hot no, coffee. I, I drink hot drink. coffee a lot
0: with two sweeteners. Okay, but I need. I I have a hard time with black coffee. Really, I just I, think it's too bitter. I need. I need at least a little bit of sweetener.
1: I like very hoppy beers, and I kind of equate it to that. I think it's a similar taste. Really, I don't know if any any bitter. Any, yeah, like any big beer drinkers out there who like hop, hoppy beers. Let me know if you also drink your coffee black because th- I think it's the same thing. Okay, there's a there's a palette there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right.
0: We'll do a Twitter poll about do you drink iced black coffee and see if we get more than like 2% that agree with you. Okay. All right. So let's go to the results of the hot
2: <laughs>
0: – this is why we do this. <laughs> I ask a question. I do a poll about Ohio State football. I get like 200 votes.
2: Oh, <laughs> if I may interject, I know this is something near and dear to your hearts. Chipotle just launches queso on Tuesday. Okay. How eager are you guys to try it? I'm not eager. Now, Quality. so now Queso, queso
0: is hot cheese, is that right?
1: Yeah.
0: It's hot cheese. Is there anything else? I was having this discussion with my family the other day. What else is it about What is it beyond hot cheese? What else is in it? What's the flavor?
2: They put some, like, pepper. It depends where you go. Yeah. I know Qdoba. Qdoba's got great queso, and they, they have some good seasoning in there, good spices. I'm not a not a super hot queso guy. Like, I don't like really super spicy food, but, like, the regular queso, it's seasoned well. You get some good flavors in there. There's cheese, but there's a little heat in there that there's adds some, some flavor.
1: Yeah, like some, but there's some pepper in it, yeah. Yeah,
2: if you if it's just straight melted cheese, it's a, it's a no-go. you got to have some pepper in there to add a little secondary flavor in there to really make All a right. queso.
0: I'm not a queso guy, but they, Max and Irma's has a chicken tortilla soup that is cheese-based. It's good. That is really good. Yeah. So is that basically just queso? It's very
1: similar. Yeah, it's queso-adjacent right. for sure. Yeah,
0: so if I like that <laughs> soup, I should like queso, so I should try this. I feel like this Chipotle thing, if Tim, if you're saying Qdoba has this, and Chipotle is now bringing it out. I feel like it's a direct reaction to our podcast a couple times ago, where we were talking about Qdoba versus Chipotle. It has
2: to be. Well, I'm. What I'm going to do sometime this week, maybe Thursday, I will go to Chipotle. I will actually get some queso with chips, and I will test it out myself, and no. I will tweet out my reaction. No,
0: no, I thought you were about to say you're going to get some chips and queso and bring it to the fellas and hang yeah. out, and then you talked. You said I'm going to get queso and go eat it myself.
2: Yeah. Well, if, I, if you Thanks, want Tim. If you want on Saturday, I could also bring some into the press box. I and would like you to bring if they will let me bring it in, I will smuggle it into my backpack <laughs> and bring it in for Pull you guys. A computer
1: covered in cheese. No,
2: no, no. This- if, if they put the lids on the queso, and I could probably, if I, I'm going to have to do this pretty carefully. Put it in a Ziploc bag, put it Oh, Have you guys
0: seen there's the thing on the office when Kevin makes his giant chili. pot of chili? <laughs> so
1: funny. That is uh, what I'm
0: envisioning. A backpack full of queso.
1: Tim writhing around on the floor
0: with queso <laughs> covering queso <laughs> trying I, to write his game story. Queso dripping out of the keyboard.
2: Hey, at least my at least my backpack and my computer would smell great for a while, <laughs> so. Sure, yeah. That, that would be good. okay. That, that'd, be, uh, that'd be a side uh, effect that I could live with.
0: Tim Please bring Queso to the game because now I want to see what happens with this. I'll
2: do my best. All right. It might be cold though.
0: Nine hundred and five votes in like an hour and a half. <laughs> I, I ask again. I get oh, 83. Yeah. Who's better? Uh, Nick Bosa or Tyquan Lewis? 63 votes. <laughs> You're, if, here's, this was the poll. You're driving. What would you rather do? Drive 10 miles? for a blizzard or drive one mile for McFlurry? Tim, you said you voted in this poll. Which
2: way did you vote? I voted for the blizzard and I might actually take this to a tiny detour. And there's a local place out in Hinkley. I got to give a shout out to a really good ice cream place called Z's cream and bean. If you're living in the Dinah County area, off boston and west 130 very good ice cream but getting back to the der- a free ad by the z's
0: way. cream and bean please tweet us to get uh start paying for an ad and z's cream and Bean. they
2: are they are really good people known them for years but getting back to my point if you've known them for years why aren't they how have you not podcast?
0: brought this ad to the podcast already
2: i have I've, you're like related to them i don't know i'll have to i'll have to shoot them a message on facebook but uh getting back to kind of the point I do believe, I think just the Blizzard is better overall. I mean, I appreciate how it's packed with flavor. Everything's blended better, I feel like. Plus the whole thing of when you when they turn it upside down for you and nothing falls out. That's how you know you're getting something packed with flavor. And that's something I'd be willing to go the extra nine miles for.
0: I don't make them turn it over because I don't want to make them feel like a show pony. Yeah. They're not there to entertain me. They're there to give me a delicious ice cream treat. I feel it's demeaning. Sometimes to make they can turn do it, it over. Sometimes But I tell them not to. Yeah. Isn't, there, like, yeah.
1: isn't there a thing where they say Do you say th- when you order of a small vanilla cookie dough no no tip, please? <laughs> isn't there a, I thought there was a promotion that says if we don't flip your blizzard upside down, it's free. Yeah, that's like the the, the people who make them tip over the blizzard are the same people who tip at Coldstone to make the people sing. Oh yeah. I feel so bad. Yeah. I, um, all right, so which way would you vote, Landis? I vote at Blizzard.
2: McFlurry's okay. trash. <laughs> McFlurry's an emergency thing. If you have the time to get a
1: blizzard, I'll walk blizzard. 10 miles for a blizzard before I drive a mile from McFlurry. So
0: this came from the fact that when we were at McDonald's the other day, Ari got a blizzard. Who else got a blizzard?
1: Berm. Ari and Berm.
0: Ari and Jeremy Birmingham from Land of Ten both got a blizzard. And to be fair, Ari – I was saying we were talking about the idea of are they better than a blizzard – and Ari was like, no, 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 but they're here. They're right here. That's all. Yeah. So that conversation sort of spurred why I did uh the poll. And the first response to the poll uh on Twitter was from at Ari Wasserman. <laughs> You're a backstabber. <laughs> <laughs> and I said – I replied, you know the rule. You said it out loud, which yeah. is my rule of life. Like if you have a great story idea, don't say it out loud around me. <laughs> and he said, I know, I know. You can understand why I'm heartbroken, not because you're discussing it, but because my very valuable take will be omitted. Yeah. So uh, you can go on Twitter and ask Ari <laughs> his opinion of 10 miles firm. Mac- – It is – it is – someone else it, – it, it is a – It's a window into your soul.
1: Because I don't know that many people would argue that a McFlurry is better. I don't want to meet anyone who thinks (laughs) that. And if you listen to this podcast, stop. It's like when you – that reminds me of, like, the line
2: in National Lampoon's Vacation where Chevy Chase Chase says he's on a quest for fun. That's when you're on on a quest for. You're on a quest for the finer things. And in this case, the finer things is the blizzard.
1: Always. I think McDonald's ice cream in general, tastes bad. Someone responded. Someone
0: said – You know I'm definitely going for the blizzard because if you go to McDonald's, you know that my Flurry machine is broken.
1: (laughs) The Frosty machine at Wendy's is broken too.
0: Um, Someone replied, I was so happy that the very first uh, retweet I got of the poll was by someone who um, is a PhD, which that just again proves why we do what we do. Because people with PhDs are retweeting our McFlurry Blizzard questions.
2: And if I may tie this discussion to the one we just had before, Wendy's Fries and Frosties, yay or nay? No.
0: Really? I get that. I get that. I get that. I – my – when I was a kid, uh, a girl moved in next door who was from Canada and – she was a year older than me, and sometimes, like in high school, like we, a bunch of us would go out, and she would get gravy
1: for her fries. Yeah, well, that's, that's poutine. Uh, yeah, that was that's what poutine is. Poutine is French fries and brown gravy and cheese curds, and it's awesome.
0: I thought it was like she was from another planet back it's then. Really, I mean, nobody in it. America eats that. I've never really have you had,
1: had it? It's good. Well, I drove to Canada on Canada Day just to have poutine. I'll need to try it at some point. I've, I have not. It's great. Highly
2: recommend it. But I am a – sorry to get off th- track. I do believe – I am a believer in Wendy's fries too. and Frosties. Not all the time, but once in a while because it's an odd combination that works well.
1: Frosty, fries, cheese. I do curries. like chocolate-covered potato chips, though. Maybe I should try the French fries and yeah. the Frosties.
0: All right. We're careening out of control. Um, listen, it's a loss. So, um, you know, the Buckeyes are going to try to do their best 430 on Saturday against Army. Hey, triple option. I got to tell you the triple option. You know, it's not just a single option or a double option. Um, It's a triple option. And, uh, you know, the Buckeyes are going to be wary of that. And uh, only time will tell how they handle that on Saturday against the uh, Black Knights of Army.
1: I used the word wary in a question on Tuesday night and felt instantly terrible about myself. Yeah, that's a, you've, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. My work here is done. <laughs> All right. Be sad. They lost.
0: Uh, life will go on. Um, they're going to win a bunch in a row. Um, they're going to look better. And we're going to try to tell you whether it's trick better or real better, facade better or, or truth better. Um, but it has to get better. Because it can't get much worse from what the, the offense was trying to do the other night. So that's it for our Buckeye Talk podcast. Again, you can follow us all at cleveland.com slash OSU. Subscribe on iTunes and everywhere else to Buckeye Talk. You can follow the podcast itself on Twitter if you want. And Instagram. At Buckeye Talk Pod. What's the Instagram?
1: I'm looking it up now. Give me many? <laughs> how
0: many photos have we put on Instagram? Oh, uh, just one. Just one.
1: It's just at Buckeye Talk. <laughs> At
0: Buckeye Talk is we the four, Instagram. We have 40 followers. All right. So go follow us there at Buckeye Talk. And, uh, yeah, so we'll be doing it again. Post-game podcast. We did it after the first two games. We'll do it again uh, off Army. We went like 50 minutes after Oklahoma. I don't think we'll go 50 minutes after Army no. unless no. – <laughs> um, But anyway, uh, for Tim and for Bill, I am Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.